A good morning and welcome to church from me. My name is Nick Lyons. I'm married to Amy. Uh, we have three wonderful kids. And as a family, we moved from the UK to uh, the States about three years ago to be part of what God is doing here in the Northeast. And I'm so excited and privileged to be sharing with us this morning. Um, if you have a Bible, why don't you grab it and turn to Acts chapter 4. And uh, whilst you do that, let me just give you a little bit of context into what it is we're reading today. Uh, in the New Testament, which is where Acts is, you have, uh, it starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And they're the four biographies of Jesus, the four Gospels in which we learn about the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. And then the book of Acts is the very next book after uh, the Gospels. And it tells us the story of what happened immediately after Jesus ascended to heaven, immediately after Easter, if you like. And in Acts chapter 1, what we see is we see Jesus speaking to his disciples and telling them to remain in Jerusalem and, and telling them to expect the Holy Spirit to come and fill them. And that's exactly what happens in Acts chapter 2. It's what we now know as Pentecost. The Spirit of God comes on the early church and uh, they are all filled with his power and his spirit. Peter preaches the gospel, thousands get saved, and then the early church is really birth in that moment. And then Acts chapter 3, jump over a page and we begin to see the, the uh, apostles and the disciples outworking this newfound power that they have received through the Holy Spirit. And there's a wonderful story in Acts chapter 3 where this beggar, this poor man, is sat by the temple and he's asking people for change and for money. And Peter and John come and he says, can I have some money? And they look at this guy and they say to him, we don't have any change, but what we do have we give to you in the name of Jesus, walk. This man was a cripple from birth and instantly the spirit of God, the presence of God heals him and he begins to walk and people start praising this wonderful miracle. And then Acts chapter three and Acts chapter four really is about what happens as a result of that because the Jewish authorities, the high priest, the elders started to get a bit worried that these Christians were now uprising and were going to take away some of their power. So they arrest Peter and John and put them in prison. And uh, what we see from there is that uh, they begin to threaten the early church. These high priests, the chief uh, priests and the elders start to threaten Peter and John and say, stop preaching the gospel. Stop praying for people. And of course, Peter and John say, there's no way we can do that. And uh, anyway, they're eventually released. And that is it's at this point in the story that we pick it up. And so we're going to read in Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through to 31. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David, and said, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Verse 27, they carry on praying and say this. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. 
now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, verse 31 says, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Acts chapter 4 describes a crisis moment for the early church and so very relevant to us today as we're in the midst of COVID-19 and everything that is associated with it. And this week I was listening to a guy called David Stroud, who's a pastor in the UK, and he was uh, sharing a talk and he was saying how in times of crises, we need to be at peace with the things we cannot control. And the reality is there's so many things in this season that we are out of control of, that we cannot control. And that's why in the midst of everything, I found myself Uh, fixing my gaze more upon the question of, well, what is God doing in the midst of all this? Because regardless of uh, the why of this current coronavirus crisis, as believers, we know one thing for sure, and that is that God is working. In fact, Romans 8, 28 says that he works all things together for the good of those who love him. And so in recent weeks, I've began to start looking and seeing what is God doing I've began to start listening God what is it you're saying and what I can say that uh, I'm personally feeling is that one of the things he's doing is that he's calling his church back to a greater dependency upon him I said again he's calling his church back to a greater dependency upon him and uh, in times of crisis that often happens in fact it's exactly what we're seeing here in Acts chapter 4. There's a crisis, there's a storm of persecution uh, coming and the temptation was for the early church to back off, was to uh, be derailed from the mission that God had called them to just a few chapters earlier. But I love seeing how the early church responded, how the apostles uh, walked through this moment in history. And and today what I want to do is I want to simply see what we can learn from Acts chapter 4 to help us in the midst of our own crisis. And that means that this morning I want to talk to us about prayer, because that's really what Acts chapter 4, 23 to 31 is. It's one long prayer that the early church prayed together. And when talking about prayer, what I mean is uh, simply talking to and communing with our Heavenly Father. Billy Graham defined prayer by saying it's simply a two-way conversation between us and God. And when Jesus taught us to pray in the Gospels, he taught us to pray by starting with uh, our Father, showing us that prayer really is just a relational connection between us and the God of the universe. And so prayer being a conversation between God means that not only do we talk, but we also listen. It means that we are focused and engaged. It's often why I close my eyes when I pray, to help me focus on him and to limit the distractions that might be around me. And prayer is not just important, but it is essential. Mike Breen is an author and a pastor. He says this, prayer was as fundamental an element in the life of Jesus as breathing was. He would inhale the Father's presence in order to be able to exhale the Father's will. The reformer Martin Luther also said to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. 
So this morning, let's turn our attention to Acts 4. And I want to give us four things from Acts chapter 4 that we can learn about prayer. The first is this. Prayer starts by looking at who God is. Verse 24, they started their prayer by saying this. When they heard this, the bad news, the threats, the, the, what the chief priest has said. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And said, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. When coming to God in prayer, the apostles' starting point was to remind themselves of who God was. That he was sovereign and the maker of all things. In the midst of an incredibly difficult and worrying situation, where they'd just been arrested, they'd just been threats given, their response was to first and foremost get perspective on the situation. You see, what the early church teaches is they didn't want to see their God in light of their circumstances, but rather they wanted to see their circumstances in light of who God was. And the word sovereign that they used here in the Greek is uh, disposte, and it denotes this uh, idea of absolute ownership, this unrestrained power and unrivaled rule. And so the apostles began their prayer by looking at God, but by reminding themselves of who he was declaring that he is God, that he is in charge, that he is sovereign, that he is the Lord, he's the creator, he's the maker, he's majestic, regardless of what is going on around them. What a great place to start in prayer. And we must see, church, our lives through the lens of who God is, not the other way around. So first and foremost, As we enter into this season of coronavirus and our current crisis, let's begin in prayer by lifting up his name, by making much of him. Prayer starts by looking at who God is. The second thing that these verses teach us about prayer is that we, we pray by praying God's words back to him. Verses 25 and 26 says this, You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David, And then they quote a psalm. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and rulers band together against the Lord and his anointed one. You see, I love this because the apostles start by quoting God's words back to him. It's actually something Jesus did uh, when he was here walking this earth. One of the best examples we see of it is in Matthew 4, when Jesus was led into the wilderness. The Bible says that Jesus goes on this 40 day retreat and fast and the devil comes to him and tempts him. And Whether this was a a mental attack or a physical attack, Jesus found himself under attack. And his response to each attack, each lie, each temptation was to use the words of God against the enemy. To counteract the lies with the truth of the Bible. And he would say over and over again, it is written. You see, for Jesus, spiritual warfare began simply by learning and memorising the word of God. And the reason that this is such a powerful thing for us to do is because the Bible is literally the words of God. That's what verse 25 is saying. They're saying, you, God, spoke by your Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, David. Yes, David wrote these words, but it was inspired and spoken through him by the Holy Spirit. You see, the Bible is God's word to us and that's why praying the bible back to god is so powerful because it's the very breath of god 1 timothy says that all scripture is god breathed 
Jesus said in John 17 that the word of God will change us and transform us. And Hebrews says that the Bible is living and active. You know, I'll be honest with you. My kids are excessive askers. But the most powerful thing they can ever say to me is, Dad, you promised. Dad, can I have a snack? No, kids, you can't. But Dad, you promised. Hey, Dad, can we watch a movie? No, but Dad, you promised. As God's children, we should be a people who are reading the Bible, finding his promises, and then praying them back to him. Maybe for you, your prayers could look like this in this season. God, you said you would provide for me, but right now I've just lost my job and I can't afford to pay rent. God, you said that you would work out all things together for the good of those who love you, but this season doesn't feel good for me. Maybe you could pray, God, you said you'd never leave nor forsake me, and yet I feel so alone in the midst of this isolation. Or maybe your prayer could be, God, you said you would answer my prayers, and yet all I hear is silence. First and foremost, prayer starts by looking at God. But secondly, prayer is about praying God's words back to him. The third thing about prayer is that prayer is fundamentally about asking. In verses 29 to 30, the apostles get to, uh, the early church get to a stage where they start to pray and ask questions of God. And they say this, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, this might be an obvious point, but it's a key one. When we pray, we have God's ear and God's attention. And Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. In James chapter 4, it says, you do not have because you do not ask. Church, I want us to be excessive askers, just like my kids. I want us to be a people who are uh, faith-filled enough to ask God, not just small prayers, but big prayers. I want us to be a people who are praying for our nation who are praying for healing of people, who are praying for our governors and our leaders. I want us to be a people who are praying for a vaccine to be developed for coronavirus. Let's be a people who pray big prayers to God. And the thing about being askers, big askers, excessive askers, is that it helps us to remember just who God is. I'm asking God for stuff because I can't do it without him. And so that means that when we ask, we also have to leave the answers up to him. We have to trust that he will answer the prayers in the way that we need. In fact, that's what Tim Keller says. He says this, God always answers your prayers in precisely the way you would want them to be answered if you knew everything he knew. My job, our job is to ask God to move, not to demand how he responds. That's exactly why we begin in prayer, by reminding ourselves of who God is and that he knows best. So four things from Acts chapter four. Firstly, prayer starts by looking at God. Secondly, prayer means praying his word back to him. Thirdly, prayer is about asking. And fourth and finally, prayer is not passive, but is a chance to experience God. Verse 31 finishes by saying this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I love this verse so much because it teaches us that when we pray, we can expect to meet with and experience God. And when the verses say the place they met was shaken, the Greek can literally be translated as disturbed. 
It's like the author wants us to have this expectation that when we pray, something will be changed. Something will be different. We will be uh, disturbed and changed. It's like when you disturb someone from a sleep, they go from being in this state of unconsciousness to suddenly being awake. And it's almost like that's what God's trying to get into us, that when we pray, we should change. Uh, We should go from being spiritually asleep to spiritually awake. Theologian A.W. Tozer said, genuine Christian experience must always include an encounter with God himself. And Andrew Wilson says this, the New Testament teaches us that normal Christianity involved emphatic encounters with the person of the Holy Spirit. Such that metaphors such as filling and drinking and drenching seemed appropriate ways to describe the church's relationship with the Holy Spirit. And this kind of experience really wasn't that uncommon in the Bible. In fact, there are eight other experiences of spiritual earthquakes of buildings being shaken in the Bible. Church, God wants us to hear his voice. He wants us to feel his presence and he wants us to physically encounter him. And it all starts in prayer. So four things from Acts chapter four. Firstly, prayer starts by looking at God. Secondly, prayer means praying his word and his promises back to him. Thirdly, prayer is about asking. And fourth and finally, prayer is an opportunity for us to encounter God. So I want to finish this morning by simply asking you a question. When you consider your own personal prayer life, does it look like that of the early church in Acts chapter 4? Do you start by looking at God? Or are you too fixated on your own circumstances? Are you praying God's word back to him? Do you know what words to pray? Do you know the promises of the Bible? Does your prayer life ask involve a lot of asking or does it involve a lot of complaining? When you pray, are you encountering him? Are you taking time to listen, not just to talk? I want to encourage us as a church this week, in the midst of everything that's going on, to focus in on our prayer life. Like I said at the beginning, I believe God is calling us back into a deeper relationship with him. And I want us to think this week, what is one thing I can do differently when it comes to prayer? What's one way that I can change how I pray? For some of you, it might just be actually making a commitment to pray daily at a certain time. Maybe for others, it will be making sure that your prayers begin with worship and praise. Maybe for some of you, it will be about actually making big asks and asking God to bring healing to our nation. Maybe for some of you, it's taking time to actually listen and encounter God. Maybe for some of you, you actually just need a prayer partner. So that you can pray with daily on Zoom. Maybe this week you could try and seek that out. How can you use this opportunity to draw closer to God in prayer? Secondly, if you're listening to this and you're not a follower of Jesus, well, I want to encourage you that you too can have access to God, that you too can pray. In fact, that's exactly what we celebrated last week on Easter Sunday, because Easter is all about Jesus making a way for us to come back to God. And so I want to invite you, if you don't know Jesus yet, if you haven't made the journey back to him, I want to invite you to pray a simple prayer that goes something like this. God, if you are really there, if you really want me to know you, will you come this week and show me who you are? Reveal yourself to me in a way that I will understand and see. Amen. 
Thank you so much for listening. I'm just going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I just ask this week that you draw near to each one of us. Those of us who do know you and those of us who don't. Lord, I pray that your spirit would rest heavily upon us as a church community. I pray, Lord God, that you would reveal yourself to us as we begin our prayers by looking at who you are, by praying your word back to you and by asking you for stuff. I pray you would answer. I pray you would encounter. And I pray, Lord God, that at the end of this week, we would say we know you more than we did at the beginning. In Jesus' name we pray.